0: You won't always uh, cooperate with us. If you turned your head sideways, you could watch that. But you could at least hear it. And I remember that theme song as a kid. I mean, how? I mean, we all wanted that power. I know as a kid, I wanted to have that kind of strength and power. I mean, that's why I love the Star Wars series so much. They could do all this amazing stuff with the Force, you know. And and so this idea of power. And and so He-Man was a hero of mine as a kid. And I grew up, you know. Fast forward many years, and And here I am having a conversation with my wife, Jennifer, and she's telling me about one of her favorite cartoons as a kid, and she says, yeah, it's She-Ra. I'm like, who? She said, She-Ra. I said, who is She-Ra? She said, she was He-Man's twin sister. I said, what? And so come to find out in 1985 uh, that was such a successful cartoon that the, uh, Producers did another version, a complete spin-off, a rip-off of that version called Shira marketed to young girls. And so in Shira, her name is Adora, and she discovers a secret when she too raises her sword in the sky and doesn't say by the power of School, but says for the honor of of school, the same thing the lightning comes down she gets the power and instead of a little uh, a cat that she turns into this big monster she points it at a little white horse that becomes this power horse and so She-Ra, He-Man and so I knew then and there that that she was the one for me my Jennifer you know that that she loved she and I loved He-Man I had no clue it just shows you how tuned out I was from Shira, that marketing of Shira did not even appeal to me as a boy in a household of four other brothers. there was no Shira. And so hopefully I'm still Jennifer's he-man. Uh, she's definitely my Shira. All right, So power We're talking about power this morning. Uh, so much of everything that we need, though, depends on power, doesn't it? I mean, the vehicles we drive, um, regardless of the source of energy for that vehicle, whether it's electric or natural gas or solar or, you know, or gasoline, it's got to have power. It's got to have something to drive it to make it move. Our heating and air conditioning, We've got to have power for that to happen. Our lights, medical devices, our cell phones, so much depends on power in fact even our own bodies depend on having power to function when you look at our bodies microscopically you'll discover that within our cells we have something called mitochondria I think we've got an image of mitochondria to show you on the screen and so there's a close-up of how the mitochondria looks, almost like like Footprints, don't they? These little green things. So I think the next slide may have some more from that's inside of the mitochondria. There'll be a test at the end of the service, all right? And then the next slide shows you within an actual animal cell where the mitochondria is. Do you see it? The three little footprints there in that cell. So what does it do? Its main job is to perform cellular respiration. It takes nutrients from the cell. Breaks it down, turns those nutrients into energy. This energy is then used by the cell to carry out all its various functions. You see, our cells and our lives, our bodies have energy because of these mitochondria, these little power generators inside of every cell inside of us. We have got to have them to work properly if we're going to have power, energy to live. Spiritually speaking, We need power. We need power. Our faith is not just intellectual information that we learn and know. We've got to have power if we're going to be and do all that God desires for us. That's what Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1. This morning we're going to be all over the New Testament. So Luke 24, at the end, verse 49, you can follow along there in your worship guide. Jesus says, "Behold, I am sending the promise of my holy of my Father upon you." Got ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Do you ever walk down that uh, discount aisle at Walmart? All right, so I did it last night and. Um, I'm always tempted to buy things in that discount. Something about being said to be a discount makes you think that oh, I, I need to buy that. That's that's marked down. <laughs> well, I'm walking down that aisle and I saw something that I I thought were like outlawed because of of um you know danger, but but I saw an electric blanket. All right. And so, uh, you know, I know those were a big deal back in the day, but they, they probably caught a lot of houses on fire back in the day, but I just thought about that, that electric blanket when you, you plug it in and you wrap that around you, you're clothed with that heat, with that power. God is sending this power to clothe us, and it comes from Ohio, Jesus says, so what is this power? Acts 1, verse 8 tells us, this verse is so important, I'm going to read it for you twice this morning. But you will receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It is the Holy Spirit of God who is the power and who becomes our power to live the Christian life. This morning we're in our series called Revitalize. This message title is Living in the Power of the Holy Spirit. Two questions I want to ask and hopefully answer to you this morning. First is, what does the power of the Holy Spirit do in our lives as Christians? So what does this power do? Well first, this directly from Acts 1-8, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold witnesses. Jesus says you've got to wait for this power before you go and do the mission I've called you to do, disciples. You've got to wait for it Wait to be clothed with this power, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. The most obvious example in the Bible of the power of the Holy Spirit, the difference that he truly makes in someone's life is that of Peter. Peter denies three times that he knows Jesus, When he was Jesus' inner circle, he and James and John were right there with Jesus. In the most intimate, most important moments in the life of Jesus on earth, Peter was there. How could he deny his Lord? Because he was a coward. He was afraid. He was afraid of persecution. But the Bible says that three times he denied even knowing Jesus Christ. And that 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 rooster crowed, as Jesus said it would. But you fast forward just a few chapters in the Bible, and you come to the book of Acts. Chapter 2, when the Spirit of God is poured out upon the church in Pentecost, who is the one who stands up to preach to the crowds? It's Peter. Now, the last time a big crowd had gathered in Jerusalem, that crowd had said, crucify him, crucify Jesus. He's not our king. Yet now here's a crowd gathered, and Peter is telling them, you did crucify him, but God has made him both Lord and Savior by raising him up from the dead, and he preaches a powerful message to the people with such boldness. What happened? The Holy Spirit, the only answer is the Holy Spirit. Then he's brought before this religious council, the Sanhedrin, the same council that condemned Jesus to death and handed Jesus over to Pontius Pilate to be executed, the same council that caused other Jewish people to, to tremble and fear. They had such power, such authority, yet Peter and John stood before them with such boldness and such power. In fact, it amazed that council. It amazed them. The Holy Spirit gave them power to boldly proclaim Jesus to the crowds and to individuals. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, 31, this is the second time they've been released by this council, Peter and John. They go back to the church. It says this, when they had prayed the place where they were assembled was shaken. Now that that's literal. I mean, it, it was it was mo- there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God boldly. Three quick things from that verse. First, it all came in the context of a prayer meeting. You want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you've got to have a prayer life. Last week's message, we've got to have prayer if we're going to walk in the power of the Spirit. Secondly... They were all filled with the Spirit. It wasn't just that Peter and James and John were bold with the power of the Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The whole church was filled up to overflowing with His power. And third, they began to speak the Word of God boldly. The evidence of the Spirit working in your life is the boldness with the Word of God. You will speak it boldly. You will have the power to proclaim Jesus, here before me, who's your one? The people that we are asking God to save, the people that we're praying for as a church. God will give you the boldness to share Christ with them if you ask him to fill you, to empower you, to enable you. He gives us the power to be bold witnesses. Secondly, what does the power of the Holy Spirit do in our lives? The Holy Spirit gives us the power to love God and others. The power to love God and others. I mean, how many church mission statements are love God, love others? It comes straight from what Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, right? With all that you have and to love your neighbor. So how do we do that? How do we have the power to truly love God and love others? Well, the Holy Spirit gives us that power. Romans five five, it says in the NIV, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. What a picture of love being poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Love has been poured out to us, given to us in the person of of the Holy Spirit, because God knows that if we're ever going to love Him and love others the way that we need to, the way that we should, that we'll never do it on our own strength, that He needs to pour His very own presence into us, that we might give Him the love, worship, and glory that He deserves, that we might have His heart, His love for other people. When you read about the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first word used to describe the evidence of the Spirit? Love. Joy, peace, right? But love is first. Love is the most excellent way, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. It is love. God is love. And when we become full of God, full of the Spirit, then we'll have His love for God and for others. Look with me now in another scripture Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. This is Paul's great prayer that he prays for the church in Ephesus. He says, for this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory that He may grant you to be strengthened, don't miss this, with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Who needs mitochondria, spiritually speaking? The Holy Spirit is that power. And it's, it's God himself, it's his spirit within the inner being of who we are, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that's the only way that he'll dwell in our hearts is by believing his word, trusting that he is true, that you, being rooted and grounded In love, and I I cut his prayer short, I'm sorry for that. don't have time to read the rest of his prayer. But it talks about that we might know the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of God's love. To be filled with the fullness of God. And when you and I are filled with the fullness of God in our inner being, what's going to be there? God. And who is God? God is love, 1 John 4 tells us. Love for God, love for others, all flows from His Spirit. Galatians 4, 6. What does Paul say there? And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There is this relationship that we have with God... And because we're his sons, because he sent into our hearts the spirit of Jesus, his son, we then respond to our father Abba, daddy, father. We love God and we have God's heart for other people. So the spirit gives us boldness, the spirit gives us God's love. Number three, the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, gives us the power to do the work. God has for us to do. There is no one who ever did the work that God had for him to do better than Jesus. Jesus did all that the Father told him to do. He said, it is finished on the cross. In his prayer in John 17, he says, Father, glorify thy name. I've done the work you've called me to do. He knew that he was obedient to his Father. So Jesus in us, Gives us the power to do what God has for us to do. Look at Colossians 1. Colossians 1. We know it's the Spirit of His Son in our hearts. We also know that it's the power of His Spirit in our inner being. So, who lives in us? You know, sometimes we think the Holy Spirit's like this some mysterious kind of force, this fog. No, the Holy Spirit is Jesus living in us, the Bible says. Look at Colossians 1. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. What is His energy in us? Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us. Energy within, yet we're struggling, we're striving with His strength inside of us to do what? To present everyone complete. There's two tasks to be done. First, we're to become mature. We're to become mature followers of Jesus. There are too many people who pack into churches, hear messages, and they're not growing each day in their faith. God is calling us to grow, to be strong, mature followers of him. The Holy Spirit will do that in your life. Then you have a heart that you might then make others come to know Jesus. That they might be mature. That's Paul's mission. He wanted to see that everyone around him knew Jesus and grew into Jesus. The Spirit gives us the power to do that. Fourth, the Spirit of the Lord empowers us to live with freedom. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now, he defines who is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. Again, he's not some thing. It's the very presence of God. The Lord God is Spirit. He is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Bondage? No. There's freedom there. Freedom in the Holy Spirit's presence. Jesus says this to us, fulfilling prophecy from Isaiah and Luke 4 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. This is the ministry of Jesus on earth that He might set those oppressed free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom from bondage. Where there is oppression, the Spirit of God sets the oppressed free. Where there are those in prison, spiritually speaking, the Spirit of God wants to set prisoners free. Galatians 5.1 It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. The devil is very active in the lives even of Christians. He wants to hold us in captivity, into bondage of fear and anxiety and regret and all the the stuff that's not worth living for. He wants to hold us in bondage and captivity, yet the Spirit of God wants to set us free. So what keeps us from living in this power of the holy spirit from boldly preaching and sharing jesus from having a heart of love for god and a love for others for doing the work that god has called us to do for being a person of freedom well the honest answer of what keeps us from that is ourselves that's why that's why Paul says in Galatians 5, hey, stop going back. Don't submit yourself once again to that yoke of slavery. God has set you free from the law, Galatians. Quit trying to prove your righteousness by your obedience to the law. None of us are righteous, only through Christ Jesus. So how then do we Live in the power of the Spirit. We've seen the benefits, what the Spirit of God will do, His power in our lives. How then do we live in the Spirit's power? Three things. We must first have the indwelling Spirit within us if we are to live in the power of the Spirit. This is just implied. If the Holy Spirit of God doesn't live in us, then we are not Christians. We must have the Holy Spirit inside of us or there is no salvation. Well, pastor, how how do I know? How do I know I have the spirit? Well, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Romans 8, 8 and 9 says this. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, Paul writes, are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. When the spirit of God dwells in us, we know that we're born again. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. Here's one example of how you can know that you are indwelt by the Spirit. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ that God so loved you That he sent Jesus at Calvary that we thought about before I started preaching. On that cross where Jesus suffered and bled and died. Is that truth the most central truth? Deep down you know it's the most important most meaningful thing that has ever taken place for you, that it is your hope, your life that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead, It's your only hope of eternity and you know that in the very depth of your being. If you do, then you are according to 1 Corinthians 2:14, a person with the Spirit because you can now evaluate and understand the things of the Spirit most important spiritual truth to know is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unbelievers may say they believe in Jesus, even say that they believe He died on a cross for their sins, yet somehow, spiritually speaking, they can't evaluate it, they can't understand it. The fullness, the significance of the gospel is not there for them. But when the gospel becomes real in your heart, in your life. And when I was nine years old, the gospel became real to me. And I was born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. We must have the indwelling Spirit within us if we're to live in the power of the Spirit. Secondly, we must set our minds on the things of the Spirit. I was—I put in your insert Romans 8, 1 through through 6. I want to skip to, to verses 5 and 6, Ricky. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. Paul says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So on one hand there's death, on the other hand there's life and peace. What does it mean to set our minds on the flesh? Well, Paul says in Philippians 3, 18 and 19, these words for as i've often told you before and now I'll tell you again even with tears many live as enemies of the cross of christ their destiny is destruction their god is their stomach and their glory is in their shame they set their mind on earthly things earthly things now look all of us that have jobs all of us that have a life to live on this earth we have to think about earthly things we have to think about the food that we're going to eat uh, our task at work There's nothing wrong with thinking about things of the world, but if you set your mind on earthly things, and that's your entire focus of your life is on earthly things. All week long, you're thinking earthly things. Until you come into church building and begin to worship and think about Jesus again, then you are losing the spiritual battle as a Christian. You are walking according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. In a life Living according to the flesh is a life of death, a life of, of bondage, a life of no power. We must set our minds, as Colossians 3.2 says, set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Think about Jesus. How do we do that? Well, two weeks ago, the Word of God, we talked about it. Set our minds on what God's Word says. Begin thinking spiritual truth. Pray, ask the Lord to change our hearts, change our minds, to be renewed each day by the power of His Word and by the power of prayer in the Spirit. Third, we must have the Spirit within us. For to live in the power of the Spirit, we must set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Third, we must walk in the Spirit, keeping in step with Him. Galatians five, the classic passage. I ask the question: How do you know? if the Spirit of God lives in you. First, you'll understand the gospel. It will become real to you. Somehow, somehow, it just becomes more than just words on a page. It becomes a living, breathing reality that transforms your life. But secondly, you'll know that you're filled with the Spirit if you have the evidence of the Spirit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the passage, Galatians 5, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It begins this way, Galatians 5 16 and 17, but I say walk by the Spirit and you, are not, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. They're in direct opposition to each other, the flesh and the Spirit, the sin nature and the new you in Christ. They're fighting a battle every day. And when you walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, then you'll have in your life what's already there as a Christian, which is the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, through 25 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I'll tell you this. The church of Jesus Christ gets a bad rap in our culture today, in the world today. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. Jesus says, don't be surprised. They hated me first. They're going to hate you too. But I have seen in the church of Jesus Christ, in my years as a Christian, I've seen the evidence of the Holy Spirit. I've seen love in the church. I've seen joy in the church. Not the building, the people. I've seen God's people have peace through unthinkable storms. I've seen God's people have patience, bearing up on. Un- unthinkable circumstances with incredible patience I've seen kindness be given when meanness is all around I've seen goodness I've seen faithfulness I've seen gentleness I've seen self-control I have seen the Spirit of God in the people of God and I pray that the Spirit of God is seen in my life by the people of God we must walk in the Spirit keep in step with him I wish I could say that it's easy I wish I could say that once it happens in your life and you're born again, that the rest of your life just going to flow so smoothly. It's not. Well, I'm not a good dancer. My wife knows that, all right? But for any dance combo to work, any couple dance, somebody's got to lead. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit has to lead. If we get off of rhythm and out of step with the Holy Spirit of God, we try to lead where we're going, that's where the problems take place. We've got to keep in step with the Spirit. And He has such a, such a gentle way of just guiding us back toward the truth. If we listen, if we follow. Lord, I pray now in Jesus' name, as we come to sing a song about the Holy Spirit, That we as your church and as your people might know the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, there is nothing that can revitalize us more than you abiding within us convicting us of sin, transforming us through your word, through your Spirit's power. God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that every Christian has. God, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the boldness to witness, that shows us the love of God, that fills us with God's love. God, we thank you for the freedom that comes through the Holy Spirit, for the assignments you've given us, Christ in us, working his will through our lives. And God, I pray that we as your people, would truly be controlled by your Spirit. Setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit. And when people see the people of First Baptist Church all around us, may they see love. May they see joy. May they see all the fruit of the Spirit. And may they see most of all, Jesus. When they see us. Because that is who... The indwelling Spirit within us is, it is the Spirit of the Son, His love poured into our hearts. Christ in us. Lord, I pray that you would be our peace, be our love, be our life. Let us be attuned to your Spirit every day. Realizing there's no magic password. It's all about keeping in step with you. Let our church keep in step with you, I pray. And God, if we're out of step, God, would you put us back in step, each one of us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.